Did you know you can make a lot of money buying and flipping raw land and land notes? I certainly didn't. I've heard a lot about real estate investing in single-family homes and multifamily properties, but not very much about land. Well, today you're going to hear from my guest, Mark Podolsky, who has been buying and selling raw land for the last 16 years. And in fact, he's completed over 5,000 transactions. He's also automated his business so that he doesn't work very much and makes a great passive income and is now coaching others. Um, What was really interesting to me was hearing him not only the passion that he has for this business, but the passion he has for helping others and how he got ahead by hiring a coach and how he got into coaching himself. He also went through some major challenges in terms of his spending and what happened when the market crashed in 2006, 2008, 2009. He talks about how he was prepared for that and uh, how he's recovered his business since then. And then he talks about you know, how he's automated his business so that he doesn't have to work that much, how he's gotten into coaching, how his business has gone up every year, even though he's been introducing more competitors into a market that not many people know about. Uh, And he also talks about this idea that I'd never heard before um, called terminal days, where he treats his days like he might not last much longer and he needs to do whatever it is that he wants to do before he dies. Really interesting perspective, interesting idea. So I hope you enjoy my interview today with Mark Podolsky. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm really happy to have you here today to join me as I interview my new friend, Mark Podolsky. Mark, aka The Land Geek, is a real estate investor and coach who specializes in buying and selling raw, undeveloped land within the U.S., Mark has actively invested in real estate since 2001 and has completed over 5,000 transactions. That is a lot of real estate transactions. Mark also has, I just learned, a SaaS business and is the host of multiple podcasts, including The Art of Passive Income and The Land Geek Podcast. And most importantly, Mark is a husband for 20 years now, I think, and a father of three kids, Noah, who is 16, Elon, who is 14, and Ella, the baby, who is 12. Mark, welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Andy Storch, thanks so much. And just, just hearing that baby girl's name, Ella, puts a smile on my face. Oh, I know exactly oh, what you mean. They grow up too fast, man. I know. I know exactly what you mean. I'm, I'm obviously a little bit behind you. My two kids are four and two, uh, almost four and two. And just thinking about them puts a smile on my face. I don't always have a smile on my face when I'm dealing with them because obviously there are many challenges that come with especially toddlers. But I know exactly what you mean. And it's kind of why we do everything that we do, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, may, it makes you a better entrepreneur. I'm excited. I mean, I just, we just got to know each other today. And I'm getting, you know, seeing your background, a lot of the things you've done and a ton of stuff in real estate. You've got a SaaS business. Um, I know you're an expert on systems and automation. And I even saw some evidence of that when you just sent me a message real quick uh, as we're starting to record this. And so I already know I have a lot to learn from you. And I've also learned that you are such a coffee snob that you have like an automated cup of coffee over there as you're walking on your 
working treadmill. <laughs> so uh, I also want to point out that Mark is walking as we record this. I think it's my first walking podcast interview. So I'm really excited about that. But let's, let's get into it. So Mark, for anyone who doesn't know you, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background, maybe some of your origin story and how you got to where you are today? Sure, sure. So I, I started off as a very miserable investment banker. And I specialized in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups, middle market companies, you know, five to 500 million in enterprise value, nothing too crazy. And Andy, I'm telling you, it was a grind. I was micromanaged. I worked long hours. It was high pressure. And it was just this soul sucking existence. And it, it got so bad. I mean, you know, I had a 45 minute commute to work and back and it was getting so bad for me that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating, you know, Monday coming around, having to go back to work. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that on the side, he's going to these tax deed auctions and he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar, and he's flipping them online. And so, and then he's telling me he's making a 300% return on his investment. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm from the show me state. I don't believe him. Right. And (laughs) and remember, I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company, a great company has over 15% EBITDA margins. Great company or free cash flow. Yep. Right. And the industry. Um, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Or 10% is your average company. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So I've got three grand saved up for car repairs. I go to this auction in New Mexico. I buy up 10 half acre parcels an average price of $300 each. I do exactly what he says to do. I put them up online and they all sell an average price over $1,200 each, 300%. He was right. So I'm like, I wonder if I can do this again. So I took all that money and I went to another auction in Southern Arizona where I live in Phoenix. So it was about three hours from my house. Go to another auction. It's 2000. There's no one in the room. And I buy up all this property, pennies on the dollar, and sure enough, over the next six months, I sold all of it and I made over $90,000. So Whoa. I go to my wife and I'm like, honey, I'm going to quit my miserable investment banking job and I'm going to be a full-time land investor. She said, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, okay. So, and she's pregnant at the time. So I said, fine, fine. So I worked part-time in land investing for about 18 months until the land investing income exceeded my investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full time ever since. That's incredible how you got started. And and so fortunate, I suppose, that you heard that advice and were able to get advice from the the friend that you met at work and actually went out and followed through on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. You you must've been pretty pretty unhappy at that point to go out and be willing to go follow through it. Cause I'm sure I can see a lot of people and this is what I see separating a lot of successful entrepreneurs that I talk with from the rest of the pack is people get advice and hear ideas like this all the time. And it's not always all good. Like, you know, I can tell everybody to go buy Bitcoin right now and I'm not, you know, who knows what's going to happen with it. Right. But to actually follow through and say, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go out to New Mexico and I'm going to go, you know, it wasn't a huge investment, right? You're talking about $900, but you were able to follow through on that and actually make money. And I also want to say that I appreciate that you, you built this over time on the side because, you know, you hear sometimes that advice of like, as soon as you find something good, you got to burn the bridges and, and just quit your job and, and jump right in. And it's pretty dangerous, especially when you have children or, or a child on the way. So 
I mean, looking back on it, was that the right approach that you took? I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, married, my wife didn't work and I've got a baby on the way and you do, I had a mortgage. I mean, I have the sense of responsibility that, yeah, selfishly, I wanted to just quit my job and burn my bridges and tell my boss, you know, to to take a hike. (laughs) Tell him where to go, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there is this deep sense of, of responsibility. And there's also this sort of this deep analytical side where I would talk to my wife and I would walk through the fears that I had and I didn't want to lose $3,000. And so I said to her, I said, okay, look, let's just look at this as a worst case scenario, right? What's the worst thing that can happen when I invest this $3,000? And the absolute worst thing that, that happens is we own raw land right? We own an asset. And now we have an asset we don't have to maintain. We don't have to protect. It's not like a home, right? And that was the worst case. And she's like, yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not so bad. And I said, well, you know, if I can't sell it, maybe I could barter with somebody, you know, maybe we get free dental services. Someone's going to want this property, right? So she's like, okay, fine. Now it, it ended up working out, but I did go through sort of that mental model of like, what's the absolute worst thing that can happen? And so even when I quit my job, I would do this quarterly. And, you know, so I could actually take risks because let's face it, when you're an entrepreneur, there's inherent risks every day. There's no, you've lost your safety net. And so I would kind of go through this exercise all the time. Like, okay, what's the worst case scenario if I do this? What's the worst case scenario if I do this? If I hire this person, if I, if I buy this software, if I invest in this, you know, and so it really calmed me down and allowed me to move forward when, and it got all the junk out of my head too, right? Putting it on paper and seeing it was a lot easier than just having it kind of swimming in my head and then just kind of acting out and, and yelling at my wife when she's like, yeah, like, you she, don't understand what I'm going through. Right. She was the smart, responsible one and, and mine is too. But that's, that's interesting guidance. I, I've been hearing that advice more and trying to keep that in mind because when you're taking a risk like this, you know, what is the worst that could happen? Are you really going to end up on the street like we all fear, right? That we're going to end up on the street destitute and our family is going to be sleeping in a tent under a bridge. Or will you be able to recover? Now, like I also have two kids and a mortgage and I left my job recently, but I was very careful about building things on the side and building relationships and setting up something with a good safety net because I wanted to be very careful. But even if things don't work out, you know, we both have skills and experience that would allow us to go do something else. So I try to keep that in mind, but it's hard when you're taking these risks. Yeah. I mean, Andy, you're way more confident than me. So I even, I've even said to the family, I said, look, if it all goes to hell, right. Of course I have savings and all these things. I'm like, but if, even if it all goes down, I'm like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. I've already spotted out where we're going to live in Newport beach. We're going to join a 24 seven health club. We're going to shower there. We're going to work out there. We'll have internet access and we're going to rebuild in Newport beach, living on the beach in a tent and then there's this, like this really fancy outdoor mall called Fashion Island. Uh-huh. We're going to eat really well. I'm going to go there right after they close. I'm going to go get the bread and the pastries and food. And they're going to know me. And, you know, I won't smell bad because the 24-7 fitness center. This I won't be like a totally homeless guy. I, I hope I go to the public library. It's going to be really nice. I've really thought through like the worst case scenario of being homeless and how to make it that not so bad. You know, Mark... I don't know if this is going to sound insensitive, but you could really design a course on like designing your homeless experience. Like when thinking about the worst that could happen, like what would you do? What would your life look like? And designing it all out. And when you say it, when you describe that, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound that bad. 
you know, it wouldn't be that bad. I, honestly, like I think for a lot of people, if they're really miserable, it, it would be a better existence than what they have now. Right. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, I haven't dug into your whole story, but look, I don't think you had to do that. So no. what did happen after you quit your job and went into this full time? So you know what happens with real estate from 2001 to 2008, right? A monkey could have made money in real estate. I was that dumb monkey. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm making tons of money. And what happened is it's interesting that with all the money, I thought, well, okay, if I'm making all this money now, why don't I get a big house? So I got the big house. I'm like, well, I've got this big house. I live in this big neighborhood, but I got the worst car on the lot on the block. Better get a new luxury car. Definitely need and my a new wife one. needs ones too. Needs one too. Now, you know what? I've got three young kids. My wife doesn't work. So let's get the nanny and let's get the housekeeper five days a week. Wow. Okay. So I got the, then regular school is not good enough for my children. We did private school. Okay. Right. So from 2001, yeah. 2008, I'm raising my children. Oh, by the way, it's a random Tuesday night. Let's go. Let's bring in Mastro's for dinner. Why not? Wow. Okay. I mean, this so you're so making a lot of money. You're spending a lot of money. And I am spending like a drunken sailor. And, and you know, looking back on it, we were totally out of control. Mm. And the reason we were totally out of control was we thought like this should make us happy. Right. And inevitably it made us really unhappy. And so 2010 comes along, 2008 and 2009 weren't that bad for my business, but 2010, 50% of my income gets slashed. Right. And I'll talk to you about how I actually make money with uh, land notes in the passive income piece. But, you know, 40% of my, 50% of my income goes down and I'm really unhappy. I've got all this stress and, you know, we had to sell the house, get rid of the big cars, really pare down. And even though the company was still profitable, um, it um, really forced us to live a more value-driven lifestyle, more principle-driven lifestyle. And so looking back on it, it was like this great blessing where instead of going out for a big steak dinner with the family, we would stay home and cook and play charades with the kids. And, you know, we kind of got back to like, okay, what really makes us happy? And because of that, so today I'm really conservative. I'm frugal. I don't take any day for granted. And I've embraced like a stoic type of philosophy. I'm enjoying the nice things that I have in my life, but I'm prepared to live on beans and rice and be homeless. Right. And I'll be just as happy. Yeah. And my wife would too. And so we kind of went through that too much, too fast sort of a success and thinking like, Oh, well, you know, this must be the conventional way of, of having happiness. Everyone else is doing it. Why don't right. we? We need more things. We need more things. And it ended up making us miserable. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, you hear, obviously you hear people say, oh, money can't buy happiness. And it can, you can certainly buy certain things that'll make you happy, but it's definitely not the answer just because you have a lot of money. I mean, buying a lot of stuff is going to make you happier, which is good. It makes me feel better about the fact that I can't afford a lot of things right now. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415 925 6832. 
And now back to the show. But how did you overcome that, that crash? And did it affect sort of the raw land market the way it did, you know, people who were flipping houses, single family homes during that time who got devastated? Yeah, my best friend um, was working for his land holdings. He had had $500 million in cash. Whoa. But instead he wanted to have 500, he wanted to take the $500 million in land and he wanted to be a billionaire out here. He started developing, he lost it all. Mm. So because I'm so naturally conservative, even though I personally went kind of crazy, I didn't use any debt with the business. And so because I didn't use any debt, my competition went under, but I was able to still stay in the game. I didn't lose everything. I didn't have to go to bankrupt. So that was like the one smart thing I did. And then I got a business mentor and the business mentor with fresh eyes really helped me create systems, automation. I'm now 90% automated in my business, building a team to kind of get me out of the business and actually grow. Because I was kind of a solopreneur. I was kind of doing everything and was, you know, was having a hard time actually growing. And so that was really where I kind of got to the next level. And that's how I kind of came back from 2010 to today. Oh, that's amazing. So starting out not having any debt, so which I'm sure everyone else was using, uh, allowed right. you to, to get through that without filing bankruptcy or owing a lot of people, uh, having it bring you down. You lost a lot of money, but it's a lot easier to recover quickly. And then, uh, you know, I love hearing, of course, the importance of mentors and coaches along the way. So hiring a mentor to help you start to automate your business, set things up. Getting back to the core of the business, the, the raw land, and you mentioned, you know, getting to this idea of, using land notes to create passive income. How does that work? Because I don't know anything about raw land and this sort of stuff. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to walk you through. So Andy, where do you live? I live in Orlando, Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, Orlando, right. Okay, so- Home of the mouse. How, home of the mouse. So you're in Orlando. Yep. And let's say, for example, that I look at a tax delinquent list in Texas. And I see, oh, Andy Storch owes $200 in back taxes on this 40-acre parcel in Texas. But he lives in Orlando. So it tells me two interesting things about you. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that property, right? You don't even live close to that area. And number two, you're distressed in some way. I don't know what it is, right? Maybe it's financial distress. Maybe you just don't want the property anymore. But when we don't value something, we don't pay our taxes because we're getting notices from the county. And the county is eventually going to take that property from you anyways. So what I'll do is I'll look at the comparable sales for let's say 12 to 18 months on that 40 acre parcel in Texas. And I'll just divide by four, right? And that gets me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. And then I send you an actual offer for that property, paying no more than $2,500 for that property. Now, because you're going to lose it anyways, you accept the offer. $2,500 is better than nothing, right? And in reality, three to 5% of people accept this quote unquote top dollar offer. So now we're going to buy the property from you for $2,500. We go through a due diligence checklist or research, make sure Andy Storch actually even owns the property. Number one, make sure the back taxes are really only $200. There's no liens or encumbrances. There's legal access. There's all these things we want to make sure about, right? And then we'll outsource our due diligence to the Philippines. We'll pay about $11. We'll get plat maps. We'll get GIS maps. We'll get everything that a buyer is going to want to know and see before we buy the property. Then we pay you the $2,500. You deed over the property to us. Now we own it. And then I've got this amazing built-in best buyer 
that no other niche in real estate has. You know what my best buyer is? I don't know what. The neighbors. The neighbors. So I send out neighbor letters and I say, look, before we go to the open market on this, here's your one shot. Expand your holdings. Protect your view. You don't know who your neighbor's going to be. And so oftentimes the neighbors will buy that property for $10,000. Now, the way we'll do that is we'll create a land note or a promissory note. So what we'll do is we'll get $2,500 down and then we'll make it a car payment, $449 a month at 12% interest over say 10 years. So now it's a one-time sale. I get my money out of the down payment or maybe it was six, within six months of the down payment. And I get this passive income of $449 a month every single month for 10 years without renters, without rehabs, without renovations, and without rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I don't have to deal with Dodd-Frank, RESPA, or the SAFE Act. Land is exempt. So the game that I play is, can I create enough land notes where it exceeds my fixed expenses? And now I'm working because I want to and not because I have to. Man, that is beautiful. Did you say, just going back to when you're sending those letters to the landowners, you said about three to 5% will actually take your offer? Correct. Okay. So it's a pretty small percentage. The rest are passing because they think they want more money or they just, yeah, they don't yeah, even I mean, respond. They, might, they don't even respond, you know, but I mean, think about it for every hundred offers, we get three to five deals. Not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. How many offers are you sending out? A thousand a, a month. Thousand a month. So you're selling, you're yeah. end up buying 30 to 50 properties a month, something like that. Exactly. So if you look back, that's what we do about a deal a day. Hmm. Okay. The last, and, you know, 16 years. Okay. That sounds, that's amazing. And it, but it also sounds like a lot of work for someone who says that they don't spend a lot of time working or implied that way. Right. So, right. so I know you mentioned, the, yeah. yeah. So I, I work two automation. hours. Tell me about it. Yeah. I, so I work two hours a week in frontier properties, the land investing business. We are 90% automated with software. And so with software now and a few virtual assistants that are inexpensive, we've completely automated the business. And so all I do, I have team meetings on Wednesday and I look at reports. How many offers did we send out? How many deals are pending? How many deals did we close? How many deals did we sell? And that, that number is continuing to rise. Mark is happy. If it's not, what's going on? And we, we tweak our marketing. So we've automated our marketing with Craigslist and Facebook using software. So I can put out 128 ads by pressing a button. So we've really dialed in the systems and automation. It's the best time ever to be an entrepreneur. And so we're just kind of leaning into that and, and doing that. That's amazing. So I, obviously you hear all the time there's opportunities in real estate. Most of the time people talk and when I have people on here, they're, they're flipping single family homes, investing in possibly multifamily. Don't hear that much about raw land. And I guess living in a city, it's hard even for me to like imagine there's all this this land out there that's available, but I'm sure in more wide open places, especially states like Texas, there is a lot of that. There's billions of acres of land available. Real, okay. So that was really my next question is I know you have gotten into coaching and I'm, I'm assuming you help other people do this. So how do you do that? And is there, I know it's probably a leading question, but is there still an opportunity for other people like me to get into something like this? Because it certainly sounds pretty attractive. Right. So you know how I feel about, you know, risk right? So my very first client calls me up because I wasn't coaching. In fact, for the longest time, I wouldn't tell anybody what I did because I had scarcity mentality. I was scared 
of competition. So my neighbors thought I was a drug dealer, but you know, I'm working from home and I've got all this stuff and no one knows what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so, so I get a call out of the blue, a guy named Tori. And he's like, Hey Mark, I'm on your website. I'm really interested in learning how to do what you do. I said, Tori, I don't teach. He's like, well, what if I pay you this? Oh, okay. Guess so what? I, said, I teach now. <laughs> well, I said, hold on. Right. So I go to my wife. I said, honey, this guy wants me to teach him my land business. And she said, well, aren't you going to create your own competition by doing this and essentially not be doing anyone a favor? So we did the math. And so we looked at, okay, well, how big is the market? And how many, how many deals can I actually buy a year? And then how many people could actually buy this many deals? And we came to the conclusion, the market is so big. The niche is so unsexy. There's no big money in it. There's no hedge funds. There's no private equity groups. We could have millions of people in this niche and we'll all run out of money before we run out of deal flow. So that's when I said, okay, I'll teach you. And what was interesting was my business has actually gone up every single year since teaching my quote unquote competition or coaching students, their businesses have gone up every single year. And what's interesting is if you still go to a RIA meeting, right? Like a real estate investment meeting, and there's a hundred people in that room, 99 of them will be house flippers or wholesalers. You and I would be the land guys because you don't go on HGTV or the DIY network and see flip this land. It's not sexy. It's just <laughs> you and me in front of the computer. Look at this so, land before. Now look at it after. It looks exactly the same. We, you know, we shuffle paper and we make money and it's very unsexy. And so what we find is that it's just an incredible niche. And I have so many stories of people that I've been able to help them move the needle in their life. Scott Todd did 192 deals last year. He was able to literally quit his Fortune 300 executive job. And now he works from his boat in Florida. He, he actually is in Tampa now. You know, what, Rachel, kind of, what kind of income are we talking about for some of these people? These are high six-figure incomes. And Rachel Mueller, they didn't have a high income, but they have 5000 a month now in passive income. They're like, well, this is enough. They quit their jobs and they're traveling the world and they just need a laptop and an internet connection and they can still grow their land investing business. So it's scalable. You don't need to be there physically. I haven't, can't tell you the last time I actually looked at a piece of property myself. And I think it's the best passive income model. That's amazing. And interesting that you mentioned private equity and hedge funds because a lot of people don't realize Wall Street has gotten heavily into single family homes. I mean, they own millions of single family homes now around the country. Smartly, obviously, got in after the crash and started buying everything up cheaply. I've met a guy in Sacramento who worked for one of those funds uh, and just went around buying thousands of properties for them. And he, he got paid very nicely for it. Right. But you don't hear about them buying land. There's no. Just not nearly as many people in it. Absolutely not. Huh. That's uh, it's very intriguing. So do you work primarily with people one-on-one? Do you have coaching programs now or systems that, you know, I imagine you're, you're big on automation and systems. So uh, you might as well, for anybody interested that wants to find out more about this, do you have a course or how does it work? Yeah. So I have everything from a do-it-yourself course to one-on-one coaching. And just depending upon your circumstances, we can help you. And so, you know, what I have found is that you know Seth Godin, right? Mm-hmm. So he really inspired me to create this thing called Flight School with his Alt MBA course. Because what we found, and we kind of modeled it after him, was anybody who gets a do-it-yourself course, there's like a three percent success rate, right? Because, because you can go just, learn anything, but execution is where people really need help. Right, right. So we started Flight School, and so we have 
Scott Todd teaching this people in a group setting and you have to execute in real time with Scott. Mm. And so what we find is that when you're with a group, you've got accountability and you're doing it in real time at a specified time of night that even after your day job, you're working on this land investing business. And when you provide the accountability, you make them actually execute in real time. We have a 97% success rate. Mm. So that's really what we do in flight school is take the same information that you would do on your own, but make you execute in real time. Uh, interesting. It yeah, makes I all the it. difference. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I run a mastermind group for dads. I'm in a mastermind group and the, you know, the power of accountability and having people around you doing stuff with you is huge, way more powerful than just watching something passively. But I still wonder, this is a leading question, but like, why are you doing this? It sounds like you obviously have enough passive income coming in to feed your family and provide everything you need. Um, so why even get into all the, the coaching and courses and stuff? I love it. I love the fact that I get so much gratitude coming back my way when we help people literally change their lives. And that's why I do it, right? So essentially, I, I feel like I'm the pebble in the pond because let's face it, there's three big buckets of stress in everyone's life, especially if you're married with kids, right? You've got money, sex, mm -hmm. and the kids, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I can't help you with the other two, but if I can eliminate money as a, as a bucket of stress in somebody's life, it frees up oceans of energy for them to deepen their relationships with their children, with their spouse. And they're not constantly expending energy, worrying about money, money, money. And then they're too exhausted to go on that date night or they're too exhausted to, you know, be present at the kid's soccer game because they're thinking about all the stuff they've got to do and all the emails they need to respond to. So for me, that's my mission is just to make the world a better place by eliminating money stress in people's I lives. It. I love it. Mark, you, we talked briefly about this before and at the beginning of the podcast, you have three kids and you were starting to have children as you were getting into this business. So what was your approach to, because I'm sure in the beginning things were not automated. You were probably needing to spend a lot more time on it, figuring things out. So what was your approach to kind of that work-life balance and, and still being able to spend time with your family while you were building this business? So my boundaries are terrible at home. I'm working from home and my wife would come home and say, honey, can you watch the baby so I can run out and go get, you know, diapers or whatever it was, right? There was no, yeah, this is 2001. Amazon's not delivering diapers at this time. Like, yeah, I actually had to go to like babies or us and get diapers. So I would say, well, sure, right? And so I would actually fit my business around working from home and playing with the kids and I would go to the park and you know, I would do all these things with the children. And what I would found was I would, I would kind of get resentful, like, well, I'm not spending enough time on the business. Now, unfortunately for me, or fortunately for me, from 2001 to 2010, it didn't matter anyways, because it was just so easy. It was just the market. Monkeys so, were making money. Yeah, so yeah, so I just, I was able to really spend a lot of time with the children and be home. Now the jury's still out whether that's a good or bad thing. But today I, I work um, in my garage. So I have, a, I have a, a, a separate garage where I can actually, you know, be separate a little bit enough from the children. Now they're older now, but even still what this passive income has afforded me is I never miss anything, right? So this week 
was able to go to my daughter's course concert, be able to take my son to parkour. I take the kids to school every day. Mondays and Fridays are my terminal days. So I pretend if this is going to be my last day on earth, I don't know when I'm going to die. What would I want to do? How I want to spend my time? And inevitably, it's always, you know, taking the kids to school, picking them up from school, taking a long walk with my wife, hiking, biking, getting coffee, and deepening my relationship with my wife and deepening my relationship with my children. And so that's really, for me, it's all about meaningful work and meaningful relationships and how can I, you know, create the systems and automation to support that big goal. And that's, that's what drives me. I love it. I love the approach similar to, you know, what I've been doing. I've got a lot of things going on, a lot of work to do, but I work from home. Uh, I make time to be with the kids. I don't work too much on the weekends. I've never heard of this idea of terminal days. I like that. That's basically like, what would you do if you do, you didn't have much time left? How would you spend that time and you do it on those days? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, last night, like I brought in, like we went to a new restaurant, we brought in all this food and I thought, well, this is going to be my last breath, right? What do I want to do? And uh, I know it sounds more, but it's actually helps you be so grateful for everything you have. Right. And I do that now, like the Stoke philosophy where when I kiss the kids goodnight at night and uh, I kind of pretend like maybe then I won't make it through the night, right? Maybe this will be the last time I could spend any time with them. And it's a, a very morbid thought, but boy, when they wake up in the morning and yeah. I see them in the morning, I am ready to go. I am so happy wow. to see those kids and be, and I'm so grateful that they're healthy and, you know, relatively well adjusted and, and it's just great. Right. And I don't, teenagers, they might roll their eyes. I don't get so upset now. I'm like, well, okay. They're being a teenager. Oh, that's awesome. We got to start wrapping up here, Mark. You know, it sounds like everything is going really well, but I know now from experience that everybody has challenges of some sort or the other. I know you mentioned earlier, you also have this SaaS business you're working on. What's the biggest challenge for you right now in your life or your business? Right. So I started geekpay.io, which automates the collection of my notes. So I couldn't find a good solution for my own pain. So I created it myself. And then there's all these use cases, whether it's used car dealers, you know, anyone that actually, or private note people, anyone that finances a large sale, right? This automates the math of it. Borrowers can go in, log in, see their current balance, make a prepayment, but it automates collecting it via ACH. And if the ACH fails, there's multiple payments on file where it'll charge their credit card on file and then charge them them the 3% fee if it fails. So it's, it's a really nice, beautiful system And I'm really kind of in the should mode. I should be getting more traction in the marketplace. I should be doing more with this. I should be working harder. And then I think to myself, well, why should I be doing all this? But so I'm I'm sort of at this existential crisis of kind of feeling guilty if I'm not working on it and then trying to enjoy my life. And so it's a challenge for me. Yeah, because you worked, you built all of this. I would imagine you were thinking the whole time about this idea of kind of financial freedom and being able to do what you want and spend time with your family. And you've kind of, you've reached that. And now you've created this other thing for yourself that you know could help people and make money. But to build it, you'd have to spend more time working instead of doing the things that you really want to do. And I I can see the uh, kind of the inner conflict with that. Exactly. So if you know anyone who's a SaaS expert that wants to help me, let me know. 
I will put the word out. We got it. We got it here on the podcast and uh, I'll let you know if I think of anybody else. So we do have to wrap up Mark for anybody listening who wants to find out more about you and the course, the coaching, maybe learn how to, to buy some notes. I'm certainly interested. Where do people find out more information? I think the best place to go is just the website, thelandgeek.com. And they can download for free our passive income blueprint, get the ebook, how to avoid the three fatal land buying mistakes and get our podcast letter each week to their email inbox. And then Andy, if your listeners email support at thelandgeek.com and put in the subject line, Andy Storch or Andy or whatever they want, we'll send them for free the passive income launch kit which is a $97 course for free. So, nice. I like it. I might yeah, have to see? send that email with my name in the subject line. Just to no, see absolutely. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, know, you, I might charge five bucks, but everybody else. Oh, man. Mark, this has yeah. been a lot of fun. This is something that I knew nothing about. And now I feel like I'm more knowledgeable and excited about it. So we might have to talk more about how to get involved. But anyway, thanks so much for coming to the entre- on the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I had a lot of fun. Hey, Andy, thanks so much. And I'll tell you what, that, that hot seat really, it only burned for like two or three minutes. I, I feel great. So thank I'm you glad. so much. I'm glad. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.